With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yo, yo, yo. What is up? This is Van Ram. We are, you are listening to Terp Show Radio with me as always, 3K. How you doing tonight, 3K? Yo, 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 triple yo. <laughs> Man, I'm good. Good good day at college football. It's, and it's Rams Eve, you know, less than 24 I, hours a day away, 24 hours a day, 24 hours away from Rams football. It's good, man. I'm doing good. I am stoked. I am ready. I just, not 20 minutes before I called in for Turf Show Radio, I got the game plan laid out with the family tomorrow. I'm like, okay, here's the deal. From 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock or 6.30, somewhere in there, I'm going to need some me time. I need some quiet time. Now, did you did this verbally? I, I did it um, slightly more diplomatically than that. Man, I'm, I'm disappointed. My wife, my mother, and my mother-in-law have all signed contracts. Uh, nobody will be contacting me through any medium while the Rams are on. Uh, I've also got a memo that I sent to the Department of Defense letting them know that in case of war with China, I'm not to be deployed until uh, January. So I should be good, man. Oh, there you go. That's, I mean, you know, you got that stuff in writing. That's all that matters. Yes. you got to work every yeah, angle. Yeah, give me a copy of that contract. I'm going to work. have my attorney work it up. Yeah, I'll have my I'll have my guy call your guy. We'll have our guys. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, you know, less than 24 hours to go. we got to... Seems like there's a lot to talk about. Got a game against Arizona tomorrow. Uh, Arizona is a team that looks like it's kind of finding its way a little bit. I hope we get a lot of callers again tonight. 3K. You know, we had a we had a good time with the callers last week. I hope uh, I hope that uh, I hope folks out there listen. Pick up the phone, dial us up, blow our shit up up here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and even if you're afraid to call, we got. Options to comment. Of course, we got the open thread open on uh, Churchill Times. We already got two comments. I'm, I'll make sure that we get to those. And uh, we got the chat the chat window at Blog Talk Radio. I'll try to try to check in on that as well. Plus, I got 18 games of college football in front of my face, along with a baby and a wife. So hey, I'm not busy or anything. <laughs> yes, you're a multimedia man. I'm tasking it. I'm multitasking it. Multi. Well, you want to just let's jump in and take these comments. We got two comments right now. Let's jump in because I think there's a good question. Because the first one is the Mark Clayton question. I know that's kind of a that's been the toss since the last time we had a little turf show radio. Um, the Mark the Rams have made it, made a trade for Mark Clayton. Got a new wide receiver, an experienced wide receiver, a veteran guy, former first round draft pick with the Ravens. Um, Rams brought him in for a, a late-round pick swap. It was a pretty good deal. Um, 
you know, it wasn't the Vincent Jackson trade that was burning up the interwebs for a while there, but I think it was maybe not as sexy, but maybe just as useful, just as important of a move. 3K, what do you think about the, the Mark Clayton acquisition? I mean, it, it makes sense on the front of the experience. That's certainly something important that the Rams were lacking specifically in that unit. But, you know, it, in terms of expectations, it's one of those things you got a rookie quarterback who's still trying to find a guy that he can consistently link up with. Um, and, and the Clayton timeline obviously doesn't sync up with the tackles, the quarterback, James Laurinaitis, with a lot of the future of the team, Chris Long. But in terms of somebody that can help Bradford this season and maybe even next, I, I think he's a good pickup. You know, the, those kinds of guys are always hard to come across, and it seems like the terms of the trade made sense. It wasn't a very expensive trade in terms of what we had to give up. So right. you know, it's the kind of addition that may not be uh, flashy or may not produce a lot of numbers, but can do a lot of things for the team, and especially Sam Bradford, that's going to help us moving forward. Yeah, and I think, too, it's like you got to think, this is a guy he's, I mean, his his strength is his route running. Now, some of the criticisms are his hands, and, you know, there's something, I mean, you know, to be said there, you look at his catch race over the, over the years here, but, um, you know, he's a great route runner, and he's going to position over there on the outside where Avery was, and you know that for a, for a quarterback that can get the ball out quick, that's that's a good thing to have a guy that's good on routes like that. I mean, I, I, like you say, that's a, that's a, that's a big help for Bradford more than anything. I mean, more than it really changes the dynamic of the team or gives them a number one receiver or anything like that. It's just another guy that can that can be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, so, and I, I that's think a helpful deal. A... That's a helpful. Yeah, I think so. That's it's going to be important to make sure that he's got guys open. Van. Uh, I'm working the switchboard tonight to make sure that you got as much time to run the show as possible. And shocker, we've got a caller, my friend. All right, let's let's bring him on. He is on. Do your thing. Hello. Who who do we have here? Hello. Uh oh. I hear the wind blowing. Either that or some heavy breathing. Caller, hello. I guess maybe I guess maybe we don't have a caller. All right, caller, we're gonna have to hang it up. Maybe that was like scream. Right, try, try it again. Try it again. Sydney, I knew, I knew what the Rams did last summer. I know I'm mashing a couple movies <laughs> together, but the... <laughs> well, they're pretty much interchangeable, really. I mean, that's. The teen genre, the teen genre that dominated the the the, the, the multiplex there for a while. Hello, Ben so, Graham. <laughs> Let's go back to the comments here, 3K. I'll be listening, says the Moose Knuckles. I'll be listening. Quick idea for topic. How many games will we have to win to have a broadcast team assigned to us that doesn't include Ron Pitts, John Lynch, etc.? I, you know what? It might not even be as much of a win total as it is if Sam Bradford can really come out and shine and, and, and make himself a story. Then they might start. They might put a. We might get the coveted Troy Aikman assignment, huh? Ooh, ooh. No, I mean it's a, it's an interesting question, and you know I, when I saw it, I tried to go back to the uh, Sando blog over at NFC uh, West over on ESPN because he talks about you know the media coverage a lot in terms of how it affects certain teams. And uh, one of the things he talked about was the media coverage that a lot of teams got last year, and not surprisingly, out of all the league, we were last in terms of overall media coverage. Um, 
he talks about the broadcast teams that are going to cover the teams. I haven't seen it recently, uh, just off the top of my head, and I didn't see it when I logged on. So I don't know. In terms of what we'll have to do to get out of that, you know, that duo, I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Is it, is it in terms of wins or is it in terms of something Bradford's going to have to do just to bring some uh, some visibility to the franchise? Ah, you know, you never know. It's like that's the kind of thing. If the Rams are doing okay the, as the season gets going, and then they, you know, that's they get a they get an interesting game in the you know middle of the season, late in the season, they get a, a game could be a pretty good matchup. You know, that's where they shuffle it around and and bring in those guys. I tell you, who would be an interesting. I, you know, Kurt Warner's going to be in the booth for Fox this year. That would be an interesting guy to have calling some Rams games, huh? Especially if it's Rams-Cardinals. No, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, no matter how what kind of great for the game he was, they always kind of start those, you know, he's not going to be on the on the number one broadcast team right away. He's going to be the Ron Pitts, John Lynch type group to start the to start his broadcast. That's assuming his dance career doesn't go on too long though. He's got some yeah. competition with Bristol Palin, so you never know. <laughs> well Van, I think I think we got the caller trying back again one more time, so All right, let me hit the see button, if buddy. I can bring him on. Let's see if the the winds let us know when he gets on. Caller, if you're on, let us know. Caller, hello. Welcome to Turk Show Radio. Who's on the line? Who's on the line? Bueller. Bueller. No, nothing. You know, I, I remember last week we discussed uh, technology. Hmm. I can't. I can't remember quite what it is. What we said. I don't remember. But it was something. They, they must have an AT and T sir. They must have AT and T service. Ooh, burn. Oh, ouch, ouch. And my phone gets cut off in the next 30 seconds because they, they've, they've handed over um, all of my phone information to the government. And don't be surprised because I am on AT&T, so I can't complain too much. There you go. Um, here's, a que- here's another question, and, and it's, it's a good one. It's will the Rams pick up a number two running back? And then underneath, Darby plus Tostin, pure crap. Um, you know, that's probably just a situation to keep an eye on, who's out there, who's available. I mean, I, at this point, I don't see, you know, teams shuffle their rosters all year long, so something could happen. And I, I don't know with the with the CBA weirdness going on this year, if there will be more trades up to the deadline or not. But I, I, I'm, I'm just going to say right now, you probably ought to get used to Kenneth Darby and, and uh, Keith Tostin. It looks like it at this point. I mean, if they were going to do it, I think they would have done it by now. You look at some of the other, you know, post-draft free agent moves, and even the Mark Clayton move, you know, shoring up a roster. I think we've done what we're going to do, and obviously, you know, with a game tomorrow, uh, I think the deadline's already been passed, so, in terms of what we're dealing with. And Thomas W., it's Darby plus Tosti equals pure crap. Your fourth-grade math teacher would be a... Uh, quite angry, quite angry at you for a lack of proper mathematical punctuation. Minus one. <laughs> well, I hope that answers this question at the very least. Uh, I think it should. I mean, I know that's maybe not the answer he wanted. We want some people wanted to hear, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll drive on. We'll be used to it. Uh, you know, I feel good about Stephen Jackson's health this year. And let me just uh, go back to something that we said on the last Turf Show Radio, and something that's kind of been talked about on the internet a little bit. 
this off season. I mean, most of the Jackson health talk has been kind of hand wringing, but you know he was a hell, he was a pretty healthy guy last season. Except you know he had his back problems and he missed a game. He missed a Week 16 game against the Cardinals, as a matter of fact, um, and that was relatively obvious in the scoreboard. But you know he played 15 games. He had 324 carries. It's a lot of work. Now the the, the two seasons before that. Jackson missed three and four games, maybe four games each season, maybe just three, one season, four the other season. I don't remember, but he had less than 260 carries in each of those last two seasons. So, in a way, you know, that saves a little bit of wear and tear for the long term. But, um, you know, another thing that's been said about Jackson is, like, he's always had that kind of impressive lower body strength and those tree trunk legs that can kind of just plow through. I mean, you know, look at what he's had to do. I mean, the guy picked up 1,400 yards last year, you know, playing behind that version of the – whatever version of the Rams offensive line you wanted to call it since there are about six of them at any given time. Um, you know, hopefully there's going to be some offensive line continuity. It looks like it's a little bit better group in terms of all five of them. And, you know, Jackson's uh, – the, the big thing that the the people who know more about physical fitness than I do, which should be obviated if you see – See me here drinking a beer, talking on Turf Show Radio right now. But that's what I'm talking about. They like what Jackson's done with his upper body. It's a big. It's, he's put on muscle weight. He's thicker and tougher, and that's obviously going. to, I mean, hopefully that'll help him break tackles. Hopefully that'll help him stay a little healthier. That's good for his core strength. You know, you got a back. He's coming off a back herniated disc surgery. That's your back. Um, hopefully, you know, improved core strength. That really helps helps us with that. So. 3K, looks like we got a couple callers. Let's let's bring yeah, the first caller on. Just to mention before we bring the callers on, that's one thing I wish the media touched on more with the medical staff and the training staff. They play such a vital role over the course of a season, and you just don't get a lot. Of, you just don't hear that much from them, you know, despite the fact of how important they are to an NFL franchise. But that being said, callers. No, and there was a little controversy them. with that with the Rams, if you recall, because uh, you know they fired their train the long time the team's longtime yep. trainer and brought in brought in new staff in that department this year. And and it wasn't so much that they, you know, according to what, you know, what what's reported out in the media, but it wasn't that they blamed those guys for the incidents. I mean, you know, the, obviously at any team that plays on turf, you can see your injury rates are going to be higher. Um, but, you know, one of the things they, they're emphasizing with the new athletic training crew that they brought in is that kind of in-season – shape and conditioning program and you saw that this year in camp with those guys you know on the sidelines working going through kind of a specific program i mean it was it's a little different it's a little different system than they've had before now will it work better or worse i don't know that remains to be seen but it's just i think it's a notable change and it's one of those things that people you know you don't get to talk about too much with the draft and stuff do we have a caller we do we should on the line hello what's up you're on turf show radio Hey, this is VT. How you doing, guys? Pete, what's up, buddy? Hey, not too much. Hey, you're talking about lack of fitness knowledge, so, you know, I had to pick the phone up, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> speaking of lack of fitness knowledge, no. uh, I just have a quick question uh, that could possibly lead to another question or comment is, uh, do you guys know if, if uh, Shermer Scripps plays? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know, Van. Well, I, I I don't know. And now, you know, the interesting thing is because Bob Stoops scripted plays yeah, in and, Oklahoma, and, and they would send those out, is, you know, 
right away to Bradford. But, but uh, you know, Oklahoma, St. Louis Rams, it's a different – I don't know. That's a really good question. Because I was just thinking, I know, you know, a lot of us have been on Shermer a lot. And, I mean, granted, he does have a, a long way to go as far as playing – calling the right game as far as I'm concerned and most of us. But seeing how Bradford comes out so hot, you know, in the beginning of these games – I'm really wondering, I mean, if they're scripting plays, it's really got me curious for the second half and what the Rams can do and what Bradford will do in the second half. You know, is he benefiting from a scripted play? You know, is he still going to struggle in the second half like you would expect some rookies to do? So it was just something that crossed my mind as as I was listening to you guys talk, and I thought I would just kind of try to address that a little bit. Well, that's a really good question, and that's, you know, I, that's something to watch for tomorrow. I mean, I think that's a really, um, I, I think, a, we'll put that bug in in our own and a few of the other readers' ears because that'll be an interesting thing to watch for. I mean, now you know, I, the thing I wonder with that is is they're talking about how you know Arizona will use kind of some different blitz packages and maybe stuff that they haven't seen on tape yet. So I mean, I you know, is, is are they gonna is it scripted so much that they can't change it on the fly if they need to? I'm sure they probably can, but I don't know. Three K. No, I don't know. I mean, the good thing about the 3-4 for those teams that run it is that you always have different options of how you want to bring a combination from those four linebackers forward. So in terms of blitzing, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw some uh, relatively novel stuff at us that they haven't done before. But going back to the scripted stuff, I mean, I'd love I'd love to hear what people know because uh, I, I, um, I haven't read or seen anything. I don't know. Well, speaking of that, 3K, Moose Knuckles just posted that Andy Reid scripts the first 15 plays, and so – you know, he guesses that Shermer probably does too, and that's probably not that's probably not a bad guess. Awesome. That's good in that's well, good I intel work guys. there, Moose. Yeah, I just want to say, uh, you know, you guys are awesome and I'm um, really enjoying Turf Show Times, I think more than I ever have. It's been just a, a constant berate of awesome info, so keep up the good work, guys. Hey no hey, problem, B T. It's good to have you on the team. Awesome. More than happy to contribute what I can. <laughs> All right. Alright, take hey, care. Great. Guys. Take it easy, brother. Thanks, man. See you later, man. Yeah, and a shout hey, out to BT for doing those those videos that he's been doing, man. Those have been great stuff. Those are awesome, man. It's like you know, he's got a telestrator right there, ready to roll. Ready to roll out he's with the, it. That's good he stuff. He is the John Madden of Tercho Times. Uh, I'm I'm pretty much <laughs> willing to put him out there. He like just needs that. to drive his R V to St. Louis. Well, I'm going to try our other caller one more time, Ben. We'll see if this works. This is the same caller that we just can't seem to get working. Uh, All right. 217 area code. If you're calling in from 217, you should be on the air. What's up, 217? Are you on the air? You know, that stimulus package just didn't reach down deep enough. I guess not. Maybe, maybe Maybe they're just listening in. Who knows? Who knows? Um, All right, well, Kevin, thanks for calling in. It is what it is. Try calling back, man, if you can. I'm I, I'm sorry about that. That's a that's a bummer, man. Uh, keep at it. Keep after it. Um, I don't I don't know what to tell you there. Three K. Um, it's it's a good start. We didn't have we didn't have VT last week. It was good to have him on the phone. Um, yeah, it was. We, so we've we got a question about. Week. Say what? I said we had Jersey Mike last week, and uh, like did, I said last week, I love, my, I love my East Coast guys. You know, being from Texas, the only East Coast flavor that you get is usually on TV, so to get somebody with that much authenticity, it made me, it made me a happy man, Then It did. 
It was a good deal. We had two Jersey callers last week. I know. It was a little too much Jersey. It was, I was you know. like our own version of Jersey Shore. I know. I was having to – see, I don't know that much. I'm not an East Coast guy, so I was having to jump off my Sopranos knowledge. Huh? Hey, pastrami. I don't know. That's <laughs> that's not my way. That's why I had to kind of shut up and let it go where it was going. But, uh, yeah, great calls and a good, good first episode, I think. Uh, good stuff to build on now for episode two. It, it, it was indeed. It was indeed. Hey, well, let's take let's take uh, VT's question and pivot on that and talk a little bit about you know opening the game. Um, I, you know, I guess this is a little going to be a little different for Bradford. He's playing in front of a full house. It's not the preseason. Um, you know, I, I guess I kind of wonder is like, are we going? Is he going to go out there? Is it going to be kind of deer in the headlights for a little bit? Is he going to, you know, look like a rookie sometimes there? I mean, I'm sure he's probably going to have some rookie moments. But uh, what's the biggest challenge, you think, for Bradford heading into the opening week here, 3K? I, th- I think it's going to be managing adversity. You know, um, Bradford, especially at Oklahoma and now in the NFL, hasn't faced a ton of adversity. Uh, you know, and, and knowing what he knows in terms of his talent and the playbook and the offense and the guys that he's worked with in the preseason, it's a different beast now in the regular season, everybody's playing at 100%, and the legitimate 100%, not a preseason, third string 100%. That's uh, right. He's got Steven Jackson, you know, as a full-time running back to supplement his offense. He's got an offensive line, the best offensive lineman that the Rams have on the roster out there to protect him and open up lanes for Steven Jackson. He's got wide receivers that are doing their thing. It's a different animal, That being, and not animal junior. That being said, you know, it's not going to work every time. And when it doesn't, it's going to be most interesting to me to see how he deals with the adversity. When he's got an open guy on second and six and he hits him in the hands and the receiver drops it, how does he come back on third down? On a third down and eight where a wide receiver does something that he wasn't expecting and he made the throw and the wide receiver didn't make the play, or even if he doesn't make the throw, how did he come back and respond that next series regardless of what Arizona does with the ball? To me, yeah. that, that's what separates a lot of quarterbacks from being good to great is how they deal with the adversity and how they deal with the setbacks. And you saw it on Thursday night, you know, Brett Favre on one hand, Drew Brees on the other. And Drew Brees didn't have a lot of setbacks, uh, but what he did, he came through and helped the Saints win that game. It's going to be interesting to me how Bradford does it, especially in his first NFL game ever. Yeah, and that'll really be something. I mean, that's really something to watch, too, because this is, you know, this is not um, the easiest defense in the league to open up your season against either. I mean, they've, not, got a, they've got a for, solid front seven. I was going to say, for that 3-4, they've got a great trio for a 3-4. And Kalei Campbell, uh, that nose tackle, I forget his name off the top of my head, and Darnell Dockett. That's a solid three, three-man three group to run your 3-4 off of. Oh, absolutely. And you could argue Dockett's the best 3-4 defensive end in the league. I mean, you know, he's certainly paid that way. So He's up there. Um, yeah, he is. It's a, I mean, that's a tough defense. And that's a, you know, in um, more than likely he's going to get sacked in this game. Now, you know, one thing that was really impressive – about Bradford against the Vikings was that, you know, he took those sacks, he hopped right back up, it didn't look like it really phased him too much, and he, you know, he came right back out there. Uh, you know, is this is this what it's going to be this week? I, you know, I, I hope that when that happens this week, he can pop right back up and he's A-OK. Now, that puts a lot of pressure on the offensive line. They really need to get that. Uh, the offensive line's really got a, a fearsome test this week. You know, like you say, going against those front three in the Arizona defense, um, you know, that's a big test for those guys, Dockett, Campbell, and uh, the nose tackle there. That's a, um, 
you know, those, those aren't easy matchups for him. And that's going to, you know, Dockett's a guy that's going to have to be double teamed. And that's going to put more onus on the tight ends and the running backs to hold up and pass protection. Um, I, you know, talking about scripted plays, I think that, you know, the script in early goings is going to call for a lot of Steven Jackson. I mean, why wouldn't it, oh, you sure. know? Yeah, it's going to have to, you know, back off that pass rush a little bit and, and then try to get it going that way. Yeah, in terms of the expectations, knowing how vanilla our offense has been when it shouldn't be, starting mm-hmm. this game tomorrow, that this is one of the times where it needs to be. Keep it simple, you know. You've got Steven Jackson. You've got an offensive line that has proven that it has some potential and some talent. Let them do their thing early and don't ask Bradford to make too much out of nothing. Um, but that being said, when you go back to the sacks and you're talking about the test for the offensive line, I don't think it's just a test for them this game. I mean, that's, that's a test for them the entire season. They've got a rookie quarterback that is now an expensive quarterback, and they've got to protect that investment. It's a, uh, it's a mandate that I hope has been explained to every single one of them, not just for the game, but for the course of the season. Well, that's right. And, you know, the guys on the offensive line, I mean, they've got a lot to prove in and of themselves. Like you look at Jason Smith. I mean, you know, he's second overall draft pick. He's coming off a rookie season that was, you know, he spent most of it on injured reserve. He's you know, was assumed that he would be the left tackle. He's playing on the right side. He's got a rookie second rounder that beat him out for the left tackle job. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, there's a guy that ought to have a chip on his shoulder, not in the Richie Incognito sense of having a chip on your shoulder, but in the, uh, you know, in the I've got something to prove. I'm not going to get my ass handed to me by Joey Porter something to prove. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, Part of the problem with Smith is that he dealt with so many random injuries, you kind of just hope that he makes it through this healthy in terms of a live regular season ball. But in terms of what they put out on the field, it's going to be interesting because Bradford, Smith, and Saffold are the future of the Rams offense for the next five years. I mean, I know it's been built on Steven Jackson, but we know how NFL running backs, they, they turn on a dime in, in terms of their health, yeah. in terms of their age. The, the time for Steven Jackson is closing. The window for him is closing. Bradford, Smith, and Saffold, on the other hand, is just opening. And so it's going to be interesting to see how the three of those guys work together in managing the offense because that that's likely going to determine the health of the franchise moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, and I'll say this. I do like the, our interior line. Um, obviously, you've got the anchor and Jason Brown at center. And, it, it, you know, we've got a solid guard play next to him. I mean, I, I you know, Jacob Bell's a guy that I, you know, he's had his fair share of criticism and his first year with the Rams was not a good year. He was injured a lot. Last year, he was injured and missed the last few games of the season, but I think he had a much better season last year, too. You know, he, he put some weight back on. He got back up over 300 pounds. He's still a pretty athletic guard. I know there's some teams that like a more, like just kind of the meatier, thicker neck guards, and there's some teams that like the athletic guards. I like Jacob Bell as kind of our athletic guy in the middle there. He can pull well. He can do that. He can... You know, he can double-team with Brown if he has to. On the other side of Brown, you got Goldberg, who I, I think he's a good guard. I mean, I was kind of surprised, but, you know, the other guys, Fraley wasn't as good at guard as, as Goldberg was, and Greco is somebody that, you know, he missed most of the preseason with injury, so he didn't really get a shot to prove himself. He's a bigger guy than Goldberg, but um, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, but that, that interior line matchup is a big one, and that's a – that's a group to keep your eye on because they're going to be the ones that are, have a lot of responsibility tying up those front three for Arizona. Yeah, especially if they want to work in Steven Jackson because you can't – with two rookie tackles, you can't just work the outside 
consistently. If you keep running to the outside on the passing downs, you know that those defensive ends and the outside linebackers are going to come containing the outside. You've got to make sure that you work the interior to open, to really open up the passing game. Um, and there was a, right. a comment in the uh, Turf Show Radio open thread from Thomas about, you know, shotgun formations. I don't expect any more shotgun formations than what we've seen in Bradford's limited time in the preseason, but a lot of that is going to be determined by the interior line. You know, in a shotgun formation, even if your defensive ends get pressure, it's going to come from the outside. The pocket should develop where Bradford could be able to step into the middle. That's only going to happen if the interior line does their job. If they're the ones failing, then you're going to have to come out of the snap to make sure that you get things off quicker because in that shotgun snap you're wasting, what, about a third of a second to get the snap to the quarterback and by the time the slants come from the wide receiver, for a lot of them, that window of being open is already closed. So it's going to be yeah, interesting absolutely. to see how they manage it in terms of the interior line in uh, Bradford and how he works with the wide receivers. Well, let's stick with the offense versus our offense versus the Arizona defense because, you know, the Arizona secondary is nothing to be taken for granted either. They've got DRC, the number one cornerback for them, and they've got a new safety, Kerry Rose, who, you know, it, it seems like uh, – He's probably a little bit of an upgrade over Antoine Roll, or Roll, or how do you pronounce it? I can't. I'm, I'm terrible with names, 3K. That's a turf show radio standard. It's all good. You know as, long as, gonna Mike Humana Wanui. as long as you can get Hamana Wanui, we're good, man. Hey, Hamana Wanui, no problem. I've got that one There down. you go. But like I say, though, I'm back to this Arizona secondary. It's nothing to be taken for granted, and that's a, that's not going to be an easy matchup for our receivers. No, not at all. And it was something I talked about, you know, in the preview. They got they got a strong crew. They got a strong crew back there, but it's got some personnel changes. Greg Toller's a guy I'd keep an eye on. That number two cornerback, he's got the starting job. Uh, I think that's a that's a spot that we can attack if Bradford gets into a rhythm and is able to really manage the field and pick his spots. I think that could be a spot where we have some mismatches, whether mismatches, whether it's Amendola coming out of the slot or Mark Clayton, or even deeper on the depth chart using those tight ends, you know, working that smash route that I talked about earlier in Playbook Projector last year. We saw it in the preseason a couple times. Uh, I, I think that's yeah. a good spot for us to work on because, you know, like you said, DRC is strong, and even, you know, those safeties, that, that's a solid duo at the back. So it's going to be tough, but it's a good matchup to, to start the season on because if you can do it against these guys, you can pretty much do it almost against anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And then you go into Oakland the next week, and then you go to Seattle, who's, you know, definitely a favorable matchup with their secondary in the in the third week, of the, or fourth week of the season, and Washington the third week of the season at home. So that's a, um, you know, that's an interesting matchup. You get that done against those guys, that's a lot to prove. I, you know, another thing, too, I think you'll probably see, uh, this is a good this is a good, uh, good time to get the screen pass going. Um, we saw some nice, we saw some real pretty screen passes. Um, particularly that last one against in, uh, against Baltimore, um, you know they uh, was it Baltimore New England. I don't remember. All the preseason started to run together a little bit, but you know I, I read the the screen pass was a thing of beauty, the way it was executed with the Rams in the preseason. Now that wasn't always the case last year, but the Rams, you know, it's a different quarterback situation. The offensive line is a different group. Um, uh, you know that's going to be an interesting play to watch because that'll help kind of keep that pass rush off us a little bit, and then you know you can match up. The line get the linebacker mismatches with our you know some of our tight ends and that's a and or the speed of our or the speed of some of the receivers against those guys that's a that's a good matchup to, to keep an eye on there. Um, I, you know I like the fact that Paris Lennon is one of their starting inside linebackers. Yeah, I mean it's a guy that certainly the Rams should understand. 
very well. Mm-hmm. But in, in terms of using the screen, I mean, you got Steven Jackson, who's obviously proven himself against the screen. He's at a – I remember back in 2006, if I remember correctly, he had 90 catches. It was easily his career yeah. high. But the last couple of years, he's floated around 40. Last year, I think he had 50 or 51, 52, something like that. So he's a capable screen receiver. But using the screen should be an option for our backups. I mean, we talk about the fact that none of us are incredibly sold about Darby or Tossin or even Ogbenaya when he was here in terms of running the ball. But they've all proven capable in terms of pass catching. That should be a good opportunity to work those guys in on first and second downs to get them involved and open up the game so that uh, Steven Jackson can do his thing when he gets on the field, give him a break, and use them on the screen. You know, if they're not going to be great running backs, you still got them on the screen. You can still incorporate them into the offense, and that might be a good chance to do it. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a group that, you know, those running backs all are pretty good on and catching the pass. Um, that's one thing about the Rams running backs, that they, they do they do that they do that pretty well. Um, you know, so that's a that's a – Something to keep an eye on. One thing about the shotgun formation, it's funny. Shermer likes. I, Shermer seems like he runs out of the shotgun a lot too. Yeah, and that's and obviously with Steve Jackson, you can run out of pretty much anything you want. But that's an interesting, interesting little mix-up. Uh, you, you know, to use that, give it some different looks. And if you keep the, the, the pass out of the shotgun, if you can threaten with the pass out of the shotgun, especially those short passes, the kind of vanilla plays that a lot of times annoy us. If you can work that shotgun short passing game, then that's when you can really sweat, sweating with the one, you know, to to work inside draws and those those quick kind of runs inside even out of the shotgun. If we can if we can open stuff up with Bradford out of the shotgun early, I wouldn't be surprised to see us running a lot of uh, of rushing plays out of the shotgun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But hey, Vin, um, let's flip it around, man. We talked a lot about the Rams' offense. What what are you expecting out of the Rams' defense? You know, Arizona's got a an impressive passing attack, albeit now it's Derek Anderson instead of Kurt Warner. And, of course, Matt Leinert's gone. But uh, in, in terms of the Cardinals' offense, it's not its not an easy matchup. Whether it, whether it's Derek Anderson and Beanie Wells, you know, their drama going on, this is a good test to start the season off for the Rams' D. It is. And, it's a, and you know, here's the thing I like. The matchup I really like with the Rams' defense is uh, the Arizona offensive line. That, that's on the surface, that's not an offensive line that, that looks to be very good in pass protection. They've got Levi Brown moved over to left tackle. He had um, more missed blocks than anyone, almost anyone in the league last year. On the right, playing on the right side, and you know he's a former first-round pick, he's, but he's just not—he's not a solid pass protection guy. Um, they lost uh, Gandy. I can't think of his first name. I'm not, uh, is that right, Gandy? That was their right, that was their left tackle last year. Yeah. It was. I'm they switched over, and they've got a rookie on the right side, don't they? I believe so. Yes. And they've got Fanica at guard in the middle. Now Fanica, you know, at one point in time was one of the premier guards in the leagues, but in the league, but he's not. You know, last season with the Jets was not a good season for him. He's a guy that's, you know, he's up there. He's pretty long in the tooth. I mean, I think he's 33 or 34, maybe even. Um, so you know he's he's got some miles he's got some uh, he's he's lost some tread on his tires so that's not a I think I was looking at Football Outsiders Almanac the other day and I think I had it in that post on Friday but the uh, with with Levi Brown and Alan Fanica on the left side that gives that left side more missed blocks than any other left side combination in the league 
based on last year's stats. So that's uh, that's 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 a, that's something that the Rams really need to take advantage of. Um, and, and and that's what you know we've talked about concerns with the pass rush, and that would be a great way to do that. Now our run defense that's going to be a big deal. They you know, they're not probably going to have Beanie Wells this week. So you've got Tim Hightower, who's not a shabby running back himself, but you know he's always kind of been a complimentary guy. So I mean, what's he going to? I mean, you know, with 30 carries, is, what's he going to do with? You know, the, Wells was kind of that Jerome Bettis type running back, and 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 so with you don't, you know, that's going to put a little more pressure on Hightower to get it done, and and that's a that's a good matchup. You know, the, the Rams linebackers have looked better. There's kind of some sleepers on the def- um, among the Rams' defensive tackles, at least in terms of run defense, for as many questions as we still have about, you know, can they crash a pocket, can they get consistent pressure on a quarterback. If they do start getting – and I, I like their chances of getting pressure on the quarterback because if they do, it's Derek Anderson. You know, he's not an accurate guy. You start getting some pressure on him. You create opportunities for turnovers. you got a togway in the backfield. Really, we'd all really like to see start getting some turnovers again this season. I mean, I, I think that line matchup to me is where is the is the is the prime opportunity for the Rams defense tomorrow. I think a lot of it hinges on how that Rams D line t- you know deals with. Um, you talked about the tackles. Uh, actually, on the right side is Brandon Keith. He was a uh, 2008 seventh round pick for the Cardinals and uh, didn't play until last year. Got four games in last year's. Uh, uh, in the 2009 season, so not a rookie, but obviously relatively inexperienced in terms of his on-field yeah. time. That, that's a position that you would think we could attack. I know we've got a lot of rookies on that that work that side, whether it's Jamel Cujo, you know, George Selvey on the outside. But in, in terms of what we can do, if the defensive line can add some pressure, especially with a quarterback like Derek Anderson, you've got to like your chances with that. With, there's so many other questionable matchups at quarterback, not only within the NFC West but across the league. Just There's a lot of teams that don't have the certainty that we do now with Sam Bradford. And whether it's you know Hasselbeck, Charlie Whitehurst, whoever it happens to be in Seattle, the Alex Smith company over at the 49ers, or even you know whoever we get in terms of a Max Hall, the rookie backup, or a – Derek Anderson at Arizona. There's a lot of uncertainty in our own division. So seeing our defensive line come out against these guys and put put something on the field in the pass rush is going to go a long yeah. way. That's right. Now I will say this about Hightower: he's a pretty good pass blocker, um, and you know that's kind of been one of his prime roles with the Cardinals. But uh, you know, but he's going to be on the field a lot more this time. He's not just going to be on third downs and some of those situations. But uh, you know, if, if Chris Long. The Levi Brown Chris Long matchup is one that really, really looks like it should work out in the Rams' favor. And man, if Chris Long can start getting back there and getting some pressure on that, picking up where he left off at the end of last season, I mean that's a that's that could be a that could be a great thing for the Rams. Now, obviously, the Cardinals have a receiver like Larry Fitzgerald, who is never a guy to be taken lightly. He's a tough. He's a great receiver. But even he, there's a report out in the media today that he says he's worried about his chemistry with Derek Anderson because he hasn't played all preseason. So, you know, here's a guy, that, a receiver and a quarterback that haven't played together a whole lot. So, that's a, you know, that's a concern, especially a concern for a guy that's, you know, not the most accurate quarterback in the league. So, you know, if you get the ball in Fitzgerald's vicinity, he can do something with it. But, you know, you got to get the ball to him to start with. So that's going to be, uh, you know, that's going to be uh, – I, the quarterback matchup with Fitzgerald will be interesting. You think it'll be Bartell or Fletcher? 
I gotta assume it's gonna be Bartell at first, but uh, a lot, you know, even to bring it back, a lot of what's gonna, I think that's gonna depend on is the defensive line. If we can get a lot of pressure on Derek Anderson, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals start calling a lot of shorter routes for Fitzgerald, so that they can get him involved in the game, without you know making sure that they have enough protection and time for Anderson to look for Fitzgerald downfield. We know he can get downfield as well as anybody in the league. He can run 15, 20-yard routes and get open and do his thing. But if they have to bring him back, you know, line of scrimmage five yards just to get him a reception, that, that's a minor success for the Rams. That's a good way to start. Oh, and a lot of that, I think, like you said, is going to come from Chris Long. If he, You know, you mentioned the, the great finish he had to the season. If he jumps off where he did from 2009, this could be the breakout season that people have been waiting for for Chris Long. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And now, the, and a lot of that too is going to those other three players up front. That's going to be that's going to be the most interesting group to watch in a lot of ways. I think obviously Bradford's the marquee guy, but you know we all have those questions about the Rams, uh, the Rams pass rush up front. And and if those other three guys can can do a moderate job and, and free up Chris Long to get in the backfield, then you know they should have a they, it could be a, it could be a good little unit to watch at the very least. I mean. Um, and this is certainly good. This is a good. This is a good matchup to start the season for that unit. I think it is. It's favorable. I, I just wonder what we're going to see in terms of defensive tackles. You know, in terms of the rotation, there's not a lot of certainty in that group. I'm going to be real interested to see who we put in there and which kind of situations, and obviously what they can do in those situations because uh, there's just not a lot of certainty out there. There's a lot of guys who have a lot to prove. So there's a lot of a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> It certainly is a lot of lots in there. Um, yeah, it'll be a good matchup. I, let's talk about the linebacker group a little bit. I, this has gone from kind of one of the Rams' perennial weaknesses ever since you know the departure of London Fletcher to uh, what looks like it, it might be the strongest unit on the whole team right now. I mean, you got Laurinaitis in the middle. You got Grant and Diggs on the outside. You got a fourth linebacker and David Vibora behind those guys who could probably play just as well on the outside and, and, and be a decent sub in the middle if he had to. Um, uh, what do you think about this unit? How are they? How do they figure into this game, 3K? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you got two outside linebackers now with a, you know, week one starting role that still has something to prove. Niall Diggs with a new team and Larry Grant is being anointed a week one starter. We know James Laurinaitis is going to be legit. The question is what he gets in terms of, almost protection on the side. If Laurinaitis doesn't have to worry about running backs or coverages to his outside, that allows him to be that much more effective in the middle. And I know some people took issue with the fact that I said he could be almost as important to the Rams moving forward as Sam Bradford, but I really believe that. I really believe that a lot of this defense is going to center around James Laurinaitis, and part of that is making sure that he has guys around him that can hold their jobs effectively so he doesn't have to try to overcompensate for any weaknesses on that side. You know, we talked about it last year pretty often that some of the outside linebackers weren't doing a great job of pursuing, especially in running lanes. And that reflected itself in the kinds of stuff we saw, whether it was against Seattle, who despite a weak running game ran all over us. Um, other games that don't immediately come to mind, obviously Chris Johnson in Tennessee. But if the outside linebackers can hold their jobs down that much more effectively, it, it makes a ton of difference for James Laurinaitis and the defense as a whole. Yeah, and, you know, that was a unit, too. I really thought that there was a noticeable difference with that unit after the Will Witherspoon trade. Now, I don't think that was necessarily that it was a bad trade with Witherspoon, but, you know, there was a definite 
drop in performance after they lost Witherspoon on the outside there, and because he's you know he's an athletic guy, he can cover more ground. He you know he was a better guy than that, and then because after that it was you know Paris Lennon and then kind of some sub, Chris Chamberlain and some subs like that in there that you know was a pretty significant drop off, and I think that was part of the reason the Rams kind of paid a price uh, on defense that year. I mean there's a lot of sure. you can point to, but that was I think that was a, that was a key issue for him. And it was a little interesting to keep an eye on that unit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. He's, a talented, he's a talented linebacker. we got a lot of guys that rely on technique because we just don't have that much talent on the roster and in terms of precision and consistency and discipline, those kinds of things. But Witherspoon was a guy who had a lot of natural athletic football talent. And while it didn't obviously translate to the field a lot of times, he still made a lot of plays, and he was obviously a guy that needed to be combined into certain things with Lauren Knight as often enough to take advantage of what he brought to the field. It's unfortunate that he didn't sync up enough, you know, to warn his thing around. But obviously, like you said, I mean, there was a drop-off. It was. And uh, hopefully we can pick up where it was before because there's a, there's a lot of optimism for good reason with the Rams. And if it's the linebackers that end up letting us down, that's going to be a big disappointment because that's not where people are looking right now. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, and the secondary is a unit, too, that, and we've talked a little bit about them tonight already. I don't spend too much time on it. But the secondary is a unit that really could be a surprise, a surprising group, personnel group for the Rams this year. There's some talent. It's young. Obviously, you know, you got Fletcher in his second season. He missed most of last season. He didn't get to start too much. But once he, when he had that starting job, he looked pretty damn good last season. So you got an intriguing guy like Jerome Murphy back there. You've got a veteran in Dockery who's kind of your nickel guy. Justin King, who I think is somebody that we need to, um, you know, have some expectations for this year. He should, you know, he's been in the system a second year now. He's not a rookie anymore. It's uh, He had some starting experience last year. Uh, and this is a unit that could that could surprise some people, I think. He is, and, you know, you bring up Justin King, for those of you guys who have the Turf Showtime's annual, who happen to have caught wind of that, you know that Justin King, despite the fact that he's going into his third year, is still incredibly young. He's just ridiculously young. He came into the league so young that it seems almost like he's a veteran guy, but he's the same age as a lot of our other cornerbacks who are rookies or second-year guys. So, yeah, like you talk about, expectations. I, I think that's a necessity for him and especially Bartell. Back to Bradley Fletcher, there was an article, it was at Yahoo Sports, I think it was an Associated Press article, talked about the fact that he, he feels healthy now and that's good. The question is what kind of uh, health his knee feels. What I mean by that is, is his knee 100%? Because we saw that when he's healthy, Bradley Fletcher is, could possibly be a really, really, really good corner. If he can yeah, bring that back to the defense. Yeah, injury last year, too. It was, it was ugly. It really was. But if he gets back to 100%, especially as a number two corner covering that side of the field, he can do wonders for this defense. And it's going to open up things for the defensive line at that second effort in terms of hurries and sacks and creating interceptions and forcing throws, that kind of thing. But if he can help shut down that side of the field as a second-year corner, that 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 portends great things for the Rams moving forward because this is a defense that is looking for guys now. I mean, that's – on offense, we've got a lot of guys. We got tackles. We got a running back. We got a quarterback. On the defensive side, we're really looking for guys. This is almost the last yeah. audition for a lot of people before the Rams go and spend, you know, the next two years building up that defense to make Sam Bradford's career a successful one. Yeah, and that's an issue. It'll, it's it's a good unit to watch this year. And like you say, that's kind of um, the trend of defense mind. Those kind of defense. 
former defensive coordinators who take head coaching jobs who really kind of come in and it's funny, you know, they, everyone expects them to, you know, to, they're going to instantly improve, you know, recreate the Giants defensive line or the Eagles defense or whatever for Spagnolio, but you know, they had to come in, you got to concentrate on the offense. I mean, you got to you got to build a quarterback, you got to get that cornerstone in place, you got to get those tackles built in. You got to start moving on that. And and you know, it's a little better unit than it was last year in terms of personnel and experience and things like that, but you, you know, you look around it and you know there's probably still some it's still a group where they're having to kind of compromise on some players. You know, especially on the defensive line. I'm sure there's probably some yep. Some players they'd rather have on the, you know, opposite Chris Long, in the middle with Fred Robbins and some of those guys. I think Fred Robbins is probably a pretty good stopgap for a year. But, you know, that's a that's a, that's a a personnel group that they're really going to have to turn their attention to next year. We, we have had a comment about the 2011 draft 3K, but we'll save that one till the bitter end. How about that? Yeah, I can throw a segue in there. You know, we talk about, in terms of whether it's Spagnuolo or whoever it is, any coach around the league, when you're talking about improving teams, you've got to give these guys teams and them individually enough time to bring in people that fit their schemes, that fit the tactics they're trying to run, the strategy that they're trying to run on whatever side of the ball, so that they, so that they can run it effectively. The Giants didn't build a defense in one year. You know, people remember right. that Super Bowl run they had, but it took years of building that defense around guys like Michael Strahan and obviously the the secondary that they had, but, of course, the defensive line. It took years to do that. When you look at college football, nobody wants to go out and fire a college coach after his first year because he hasn't had enough time to recruit people and then build them up from 18-year-olds into functional you know, players by their junior and senior years. You've got to give NFL coaches a similar kind of leverage to be able to draft people and pull people in through free agency and trades, whatever to bring them a roster and personnel groups on the depth chart that they can do their job effectively. That's one of the things with Linehan, you know, is that despite the fact that we gave him years to do so, he wasn't able to put anything effective on the field, and his system was failing. It was failing miserably. You've got to be able to give, you know, Spagnuolo and the rest of the Rams front office enough time to put this team together and put it really back together. Yeah, and especially for, you know, the team that they inherited last year, too. I mean, that was a bad – that was a – you know, that was – you go back, you look at that. We've talked about it all the time on the site, but you look at the 2006-2007 drafts and the Rams have no players from those drafts. I mean, sure. every team with a successful record in the league right now, and I don't have any stats in front of me. I'm just kind of throwing this out there, and I'm going to stand by it. If somebody wants to hop on the Internet after the show's over and prove me wrong, I challenge you to do so. But any successful team, I guarantee you, has draft picks from 2006, 2007 that are part of that core nucleus of the of team, course. either on the offense or the defensive side. And, you know, you you inherit a team that has no draft, no viable players from two freaking drafts, you're not going to have a good team. There's just no way. It it takes time to incorporate people into a team and incorporate people into that, like I said, the tactics of how they're running things. You look at a guy like Drew Brees. Drew Brees didn't get to the Saints until, what, 2006? And it wasn't until last year with that Super Bowl run that people are talking about him as a league quarterback. He had all the tangible, you know, qualities that you look for in a quarterback before. Yeah, he's not a big guy, but he was doing the things he was doing before. It's just that last year, because of the experience and the chemistry with guys and the ability to do the things that he's doing with more confidence, it all got put together. It's not going to happen in year one. It almost never, ever, ever happens in year one. 
You know, no, whether it's college or NFL, not. whether you're talking about coaches or players or even referees, you know, you can take it to any aspect of football. It takes years and obviously experience and a couple of years before these guys really get going and hit their stride. And, you know, yeah, one thing, just to bring it back to the to the comment thread, we had a comment from Moose Knuckles talking about Dockery solidified at nickel or is it going to be Murphy? You know, the answer for right now is Kevin Dockery. But obviously for the future, he knows Jerome Murphy's going to get installed. It's just a matter of him getting used to the defense and learning the the, the small parts, the, the tiny parts that make a, a quality corner out to be what he is. It's not going to happen in year one. And when you got a guy like Kevin Dockery who's been around and knows the kind of defense that Spagnuolo wants to run, he's going to get the look in year one. Um, so is he solidified? Yeah, I, don't, I don't think so, but he, you know, he's going to get the go from day one. No, and King's a guy you're going to see in at the nickel position, too. I mean, I guarantee you that. Now, maybe he's sure. not the, the the main nickel back, but he's the guy that's going to get worked in at that position quite a bit with Dockery, too. Now, Murphy, I, you know, I don't know with Murphy because it, it, it seems like the area of his game that, that still needs the most work is kind of that, the coverage, staying with his man, that sort of thing. Yeah, he's a physical player. He makes his hits. He makes his tackles. He gets good press at the line. You know, which they like from their spags likes from their cornerbacks, but you know that's it's that part of the nickel game that he would need is, is still kind of where he needs to is where he has the furthest distance to go to get up to speed. So sure, that'll be interesting. You know, we have one choice. I'm going to run through some of these comments here. At 3K. We got we got one quick one on the from the from a GM Ram Hard. Um, trick play with Mark Clayton. Is it possible? Oh, I'm sure it probably is. 3K, you think, what, what are the odds on trick plays this year? Like a Mark Clayton? I, I'm interested right? to see it. I, I wouldn't want to see it the first series, but I wouldn't be surprised if we throw out a couple trick plays, uh, e- even in, you know, the, the game tomorrow. Um, I don't know if Mark Clayton is necessarily the great guy to run it. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Steven Jackson run it. He doesn't have a phenomenal arm, but everybody knows that, as soon as he gets the ball, the entire defense is coming after him. And with that kind of uh, intensity, that's something you can take advantage of in terms of trick plays. But, you know, it's something I wouldn't mind seeing. It would certainly open up some things that, uh, that you know, the playbook, the Shermer playbook hasn't shown us thus far. And if Bradford gets going and, he, and he's got a lot of people gunning for him and he's been successful maybe, you know, end of the first quarter, middle of the second, yeah, why not? Well, and it'll be interesting too because I mean, if the Rams, are, we saw some trick plays last year. Um, now, and those trick plays were more just kind of a team searching for anything to get some offense. I mean, you know, you, when you couldn't buy points the way we could last year. You had to do everything you could. So you did see a little bit of that. But I mean, I don't. With this year, if it's you know a, a seven point game or something like that, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting to watch. Let's get to another yeah, one here. Okay, this is a quick one. We got another year of pounding. St. Louis can make a trade for help. Does Tashard Choice make sense since Dallas seems to have real depth at running back? As far as makes sense, yeah, I'm sure he makes a lot of sense. Will it happen? That I don't know. And what kind of yeah, price is I, Dallas going to be asking? I mean, yeah, I doubt it. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, especially you know, given the Roy Williams trade, the, the blowback from that has been so bad and they've been burned so badly by it that I doubt they're going to give up, you know. To shard choice without demanding something in return, because it's going to swing both sides of the spectrum. You know, is he a guy that would fit? Yeah. That would make sense. I, I've seen some great things from Tashar Choice, and he's a talented guy. 
you know, to me, though, when you're looking for depth running backs, it, it's almost such a low value, and a backup running back is such a low value spot. No, my personal feeling is that I'm not, I'm not personally interested in contending really heavily this year. I wouldn't mind spending a third round, maybe even a fourth round flyer on a guy on a running back next year. You know, Ogbenaya was a seventh round guy at the back end of the draft that almost made the roster, and that a lot of people were were rooting for to be a backup running back. If we spend a third, fourth round. But- Pick on a running uh, you know, back. A guy I, I think we're really, going to be pretty certain we're going to get some talent. Yeah, well, you look at a guy like you know a guy that's impressed me in his preseason play. Now he's probably not going to get a lot of action. Now uh, is Dixon with the Forty ers I mean, he was a guy Anthony I saw. Dixon, you yeah. saw him play in college. Hell, he's a great runner. You know, he's got he's that powerful. He's that classic Sylvester Croom power back. He's very similar to Jackson in his game. You know, he's an interesting guy. He's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. But, you know, what was he, a fourth, fifth-round pick last year? Uh, I think he came in the third round. Um, I, I don't I don't remember off the top of my head, but I remember watching third? him. It I watched be. three Mississippi State games last year, and he was a quality guy. I, I'm not trying to force the issue, Van, but Notre Dame just took the lead on a 91-yard touchdown to Kyle Rudolph, a tight end. You know, it, no way. I'm trying, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to hold off from the 2011 draft talk. I'm Let's doing do my it. best, but I know we're short on time. Let's do it. We've covered everything from the Wildcat to, to what have you for tomorrow's game. So let's jump it. Let's do it. Let's get in there. Let's talk about um, James Madison. Um, I guess that's the big upset of the day. Anybody James else? What, what, what else has caught your eye today in terms of future? I'll, I'll be honest. Talent? I'm not aware of any any talents coming out of James Madison for the 2011 draft. <laughs> it was a great game for them today, and I wish them all the best. But in terms of NFL talent, I don't know. You know, the best way I like to start this is to ask you, because I know, you know, we talk about the draft, and a lot of times you're asking me questions. What this week, today, what are you feeling in terms of the 2011 draft? What are your questions on well, such a great day? For let me tell you, football? you know what? We've talked about running backs today, so let's go back. Uh, Oklahoma has an interesting running back situation there. Um, now, last week, you know, and I know it's kind of a sacrificial lamb for these big teams. That Oklahoma played Utah State last <laughs> week. Um, but, you know, they had a, they had a running back that uh, – that you know had some Billy Sims esque stats at the end of that game, and I can't think of his name. It was probably Demarco Murray. I mean, I didn't look at the stats, but yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Demarco Murray. I know they got it was they got DeMarco talent. Murray. I mean, they got guys, and even uh, Brennan Clay is an interesting freshman, although he's a while off. Moises Madu is the the third running back. You know, Demarco Murray's an interesting prospect. I could see him going. Even you know, first round for me, I don't see a lot of running backs coming out first round in the next couple of years, because as people are seeing, it's just not necessary to spend it on a running back. But he's a guy I could see going first, you know, probably second or third round. He's quality. Yeah, I was interesting. I mean, like I say, it's Utah State, but you know, he had a 200 yard game. That's always, um, I mean, it's noticeable when a running back gets a 200 yard game. Sure. And you, you know, when you look at yardage, take it in stride. You got a guy today at. Uh, uh, Marcus Lattimore, freshman at South Carolina. He had a big game, but, I mean, he's a freshman. Game, games in and of themselves don't tell the story. I think it's more, you know, you, when building a resume, you got to look at a quality of work over seasons. And uh, yeah. a guy like DeMarco Murray, he's talented, but I'm not completely sold on him. In terms of guys coming out this season, there's a lot of other a lot of other guys that I'd be more interested for in seeing the Rams. But he's certainly somebody we could pick up third, fourth round. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, something like that. I mean, that's an interesting, you know, because Steven Jackson, you got to figure he's probably got a couple years of full, a couple full seasons left, ideally. Now, it depends, you know, they 370 rushes this year, that might be, we might be singing a different song, but, uh, you know, for now, you'd think that he, he should have something like that left on those tires, but but we'll sure. see, we'll see. You know, somebody that um, really interested me, especially with his play last week, is Kendall Hunter running back at Oklahoma State. He's somebody that I can see backing up uh, Steven Jackson, and he had a great performance in week one. He's got a lot to show over this last season. I know we're running out of time here, but he's somebody to keep an eye on that I think is a solid potential backup for Steven Jackson starting next year. Yeah, and we don't want to keep people on too long because I know a lot of you are probably wanting to drop off the phone so you can go watch the Wyoming-Texas game. Starts at well, Wyoming-Texas, North Texas Rice, man. North Texas oh. Rice is the biggest game of the weekend. You know, that's uh that is that's a big one. That is a big one, three K. I know. Uh, I don't I know I don't have to tell you this. I know you've already got it set up, but I just wanted to remind the listeners. <laughs> everybody, mean green against the owls. It's a national championship implications. <laughs> I tell you, a team that looks good now, I, um, and they have some players that are of 2011 draft, 2011 draft interest, is Iowa. No, Iowa's got some players. Iowa's got some gamers on it, man. And, and uh, um, refresh my memory on their defensive end they have. That, that's such a stud. Adrian Claiborne. Adrian Claiborne. Adrian Claiborne. That's right. He is a... Uh... He's going to be fun to watch. He, that's who I mocked the Rams to draft in uh, that first mock draft, that two-round mock draft I did a couple months ago. Iowa's got right. a lot of players, especially out of the line. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things, and before I go out and say a whole lot about people, I really want to see what they do this season. But Iowa's building a solid program, and I love I, I love the way they coach a team because they don't have a lot of talent in parts. Even Ricky Stanzi, I'm not really sold on him as a quarterback, but they seem to get a lot out of their passing offense despite them. So, Definitely, yeah, you know, absolutely. if you catch an Iowa game, they got plenty of prospects. Well, you know, another team, you know, another position that I know a lot of people are going to be talking about for the Rams is wide receiver. So, Yo. you know, you're looking at wide receivers for the first round this year, or next in 2011. I, you know, Julio Jones is a guy to keep an eye on. Alabama, one game, 93 yards, one touchdown. You know, we had a nice game last week. And the um, catch was you know, that's incredible. Their, that's an obvious one catch. to keep an eye on. Yeah, and, if, you know, Other? everybody will get a chance to see him when Alabama takes on Penn State tonight. Uh, unfortunately, A.J. Green is out for the first four games, so he missed his second game today, the one this morning with uh, South Carolina. He's obviously the big prospect. We know these guys, you know, John Baldwin, Michael Floyd with uh, Notre Dame, although I'm not as sold on Michael Floyd as a lot of people are. Somebody to keep an eye on that I really like that hasn't been talked about much is Leonard Hankerson, a wide receiver out of Miami who's going right now. I've got it on the Oklahoma-Florida State game, but I really like Hankerson. He's got solid size, and he seems to move well. He's not incredibly quick, but I think he could work well for a for a Rams team that is lacking in, you know, strong receivers. we got some guys with some size, but in terms of power. Yeah, the Miami team's a pretty interesting team to watch. They're, you know, they're giving, a, they're giving a pretty good game to Ohio State tonight. I mean, they there's can play. about four minutes left, and they're 11 points down, but it's not – It's a, it's been a pretty good game. No, Miami can play. They've got a they got a lot of talent, especially a guy like Alan Bailey on defense. They got guys on defense, Sean Smith, uh, that can do things. But their offense, you know, I'm just not told. And Jacoby Harris, uh, I don't know if you remember, but the game that you and I watched when I was in Springfield, yeah. 
was uh, Miami Georgia Tech, and I just, I'm just not sold on him as a quarterback. But they've got plenty of raw talent, they do, and that will be reflected in the draft over the next two to three years. There's going to be a lot of guys coming out of the ACC as a whole uh, that come into the draft. Yeah, yeah, Miami back in play in the draft again here. They are. It's going to be interesting to see what how, how the U forms itself as a as a program. You know, they're built off that kind of 80s and early 90s swagger that they had and the kind of craziness and off-field issues. That That's just not something that you can build a program on anymore. It was fun and it was exciting back then, but now they, you just can't do it. You'll lose your job, and that's not what Randy Shannon does. So it's going to be interesting, yeah. interesting to see what they do as a program and what kind of guys they bring to the NFL over the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, 3K. How are we doing on time? You know, we're well over. We're well over, but, uh, you know, if there's yeah, questions is, remaining, I'm more than willing to We're to in the bonus draft section. It's your, you're the host, man. It's your, you, you know, know what, 3K? Time, it seems like radio. it's wrapping it's up. Domain. Why not? It seems like it's wrapping up pretty well here. I, you know, I, I'm telling you what, I'm too, I'm so excited for the start of the season tomorrow. A new Rams era. I'm just having a hard time focusing on much else. I'll admit t- I, I'm the same way. It's going to be – I'll tell you what. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up a lot happier and a lot more eager for anything that I have woken up for in a long time. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've, got, I've got it planned out. I'm ready for breakfast tomorrow. I'm ready for that time between breakfast and the game, coffee time. It's going to be a nice, nice day, nice fall day, good way to start the football season. Yeah, you sure. say that now. Make sure, make sure you say that after the game. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. Now, if it's like last fall, there was a lot of miserable <laughs> damn Sundays, let me tell you. I was going to say, waking up last year for that Seattle game, I was pretty eager too, but I wasn't exactly uh, incredibly <laughs> pleased afterwards. <sighs> no, as a matter of fact, I remember thinking at the end of last season, it's like, man, I have wasted a lot of Sundays this year. <laughs> That's all right. That's part of the commitment. That's the commitment you take to being a fan right now. And we're going to get those bandwagon people back on board. To be a good fan, you should be saying that every single year. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Well, 3K, it's been a good one as usual. Turf Show Radio, it's a success. Two episodes. it It was a good way to waste another hour, my friend. A good way to waste another hour with you. Absolutely. And I know everybody wants to drop off so they can go watch Wyoming, Texas, or North Texas rise. So that's that said, prediction for tomorrow, 3K. i got to take the Rams, man. You know i got to take them. Look, I'm a Rams fan, too. I know I'm a realist, but I'm going to go Rams 27. And I'll go, uh, let's see, tonight, what the hell, Arizona 17, 10-point win. Ooh, nice. I'm going to take the Rams 24-21. Nice. Field goal to end so, the game. Josh Brown wins the field game. Goal second field goal in the game. No. Yeah, absolutely. well, you know, it wouldn't be the Rams if you didn't if it if you didn't depend on the field goal. Josh Brown off off the. You can upgrade. have a you can have a fifty million dollar quarterback, but it's it's all going to come down to that leg. Game ball goes to Chris Massey, long snapper. <laughs> how about right. how about that for a prediction? I, you know that's how you know that's a, the one difference between the Rams last year were so cursed that Chris Massey wound up on injured reserve. 
<laughs> that tells you pretty much all you need to know. Chris Massey yeah. got hurt. And there you go. If we can get if we can get some luck with injury. Now we've talked a lot about schemes and scams and playbooks and things like that tonight. But I'm telling you what, it's all about staying healthy in the NFL. You can stay healthy. You're good for a game or you're good for a win or two at least. Sure, we talked about it early. You know the importance of a medical staff, a training staff. I wish it got that's talked right. about more because that's one of those things that has such a such a huge impact on the season. I mean, you look at Brett Favre over the offseason, and everybody's talking about how hurt he was. What about the other three, four guys on the Vikings whose injuries determined their season? The fact that Jared Allen stayed healthy. The fact that Percy Harvin's migraines didn't keep him out of games. You know, those kind of things. Absolutely. Absolutely, 3K. Lot, lots of issues to, yet to be determined. And it all starts tomorrow. Good stuff. I'm um, ready. I'm going to remind everybody about the annual. Download the annual. We're going to get a link up on the sidebar for you so you don't have to dig around in the in the search box for that. I, I know that's kind of a handy thing to keep in the bathroom, keep by the TV on Sundays, keep at your desk at the office, keep it close by. Yeah, it's good, you can, it's good something reference you can refer guide. Back good reference to. guide. I'll throw a link out there tomorrow morning. Absolutely. We're going to get that out to you. We're going to have complete coverage for the game. Tomorrow, Pete's going to have his – you're going to have the morning links up for you. We'll have a little pregame. We've got the game threads. And, of course, you know when the game's over, even if you didn't see it, log on to the site. We're going to have you covered. We're going to break it down for you. We've got it all wrapped up. 3K, any, any parting shots? Get your coffee ready. Get your grill ready. And most importantly, get your alcohol ready because it's going to be fun. Forget the popcorn. Forget the popcorn. Beer and bourbon. It's oh, a B&B day for the Rams. Absolutely. 3K, it's been a good one, always. I you guess know we the need to say words, one more thing. You know the party Go Rams. Go Rams. Go Rams. Come on. Go Rams. 3K, talk to you later. All right, man. Good night, Rams Nation. Go Rams! Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.